Well, it's so good to be with all of you this morning again as we uh, step back into our time together. As uh, many of you probably know, uh, my family and I just returned from our, what is now quickly becoming infamous, uh, three-week summer vacation, because it seems every year some uh, incredibly dramatic and crazy thing happens. And, and so even this year, as I was preparing to go on vacation to this particular vacation, uh, there was a little bit of nervousness in me, I, I got to tell you, because, because I was thinking to myself, uh, so far in the, in the three years previous that we have gone on this three-week vacation as a whole family with all eight of my children and my wife and I, it seems that God has allowed some disastrous uh, and, uh, and carnage-including reality to occur so that I would have something to bring back to you. So the burden that I've had to carry is wondering what crazy, insane thing is going to happen so that we have something to talk about when we get back. So it's a little, little nervous. And if you happen to be thinking to yourself, that I think that's a bit of an exaggeration. Allow me to remind you, okay? So 2012, uh, we went first year with all of our family, and that was the year when my son, who is now eight, was five then, uh, was in the ocean and uh, found himself colliding with a very large surfboard in the mouth. And so uh, there was blood everywhere, and I was wearing a very nice outfit on the beach that day, some new pants and a shirt I'd gotten, and, and I uh, took the beauty of my outfit over the comfort of my child and dragged him at a distance as he bled profusely across the beach. If you'd like to know more about that, you're welcome to go podcast that. It's in 2012. In 2013, that was our second year uh, at the beach as a whole family, and my family had learned to communicate because several of my children were then speaking uh, English well. And then that sounds really neat, but that also comes with the ability to express frustration. And in one year, there's a lot of baggage you can collect. So that was the year where the emotional carnage in our home was very significant. If you remember, that was the year where in the sermon I shared about my wife and I standing on the beach and Brooke saying, if we have the Holy Spirit, then why and how is this happening, right? So, I mean, that was the internal massive battles we went through. And then last year, 2014, that was the year where two of my boys got caught in a riptide. I didn't know it was a riptide, even though I know what riptides are. Because, you know, you don't think about it. It's funny. You read the books and they say, be prepared. But when you're actually in one, you don't think that way. And so I'm trying to swim against the riptide back with one of my boys holding my foot and dragging me down. And I remember distinctly having the thought, we do not make it out of this. We will die here in this ocean. I am exhausted. There is no help. Well, I am here today, so if you're wondering how that happened, feel free to go podcast that. That's in 2014. So you can imagine when I'm looking at uh, blood uh, and, 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 and bleeding in the ocean, and I'm looking at drownings from riptides, and I'm looking at emotional carnage in homes, uh, you start kind of going, God, what on earth is going to happen this year? And then, it, and then it happened before we went on vacation. I got a phone call from my sister. She goes, have you been watching the news? I go, I have eight kids. I don't watch the news. What are you talking about? She goes, there's sharks in the water. I go, I know there's sharks in the water. There are always sharks in the water. She goes, no, all the sharks in the water have come to North Carolina. All the sharks in the water are coming to the outer banks where we will be. And all the sharks in the water do not like people in the water with them. So they are eating the people. I'm like, it can't be that bad. 
I look in the news, there's some kid down in northern part of South Carolina and another kid within an hour, they were both bitten, one loses an arm, one loses a leg. I go, that's kind of south. The next attack happens on a beach in North Carolina uh, in a town called Waves, North Carolina. Where is the house we're staying in? In a town called Waves, North Carolina. They are the same town. It is the same beach. And then after that, just shark attack after shark attack over the next week. Number of shark attacks. So I said to my wife, I'm telling you when I come back, the story is going to include me wrestling with a shark. I hope I win. I'm not sure though. If I don't, you can tell the stories, right? So we, we head off to North Carolina and I realize uh, between the riptides and, and the surfboards in the water and the sharks in the water that the, 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 the thought process has to at least entertain the idea that perhaps going in the water is not a good idea this year, right? Perhaps staying out of the water will be good this year. And so as I begin to entertain that thought, I realize if we stay out of the water for three weeks on a beach vacation, the emotional carnage in the house will make year two look like a joke. (laughs) So I'm like, if I have to pick between emotional carnage or physical carnage, I'm going physical. I am. You can survive the loss of a leg. I I don't know that you can live with what we would go through in three weeks in a house alone, right? So I'm like... We've got to get in the ocean. That was a decision I made. We're going in that ocean. So then you begin the learning curve, right? So I start reading. I read articles from experts about sharks and why they bite people and why they don't. And it's not their fault. And it's because we're in their territory. And you can play with sharks if you do it right. I have a dear friend. In fact, uh, Carrie Ann, our children's ministry director, her daughter swims with sharks in Hawaii. That's her job. I mean, look, uh, you can do this. So you can swim with the sharks. You just got to know what you're doing. So I start reading. Uh, If you see fins in the surf, lots of fins, like my sister, then don't go in the water because they're sharks. They're right there. Look, there's one. It's big. It has teeth. So then you stay out. No fins? Check. Probably no sharks, okay? But they do go underwater, I hear. So you're like, how do you know if they're under the water? Well, there's these bait fish that come in, and when the bait fish come in, then the sharks come in, and you know the bait fish are there because the birds try to eat the bait fish. So if birds are diving into the ocean trying to get bait fish, and it's right by the surf, probably there are sharks in the water. Don't go in the water. If they're dolphins, that's a good sign. Dolphins swim around when the sharks go away. So if they're dolphins, check, that's a plus. If the water's really murky, not great. If it's fairly clear, you're okay. If it's really rough, that's pretty good because the sharks don't like being in the rough water. But if it's really calm, be cautious. So I get all these things. I'm like, okay, we're going to learn about the sharks. Riptides. I read back up on riptides. How do they work? What do they look like? What do they do to you? I think through equipment that's soft so when it collides with my children's faces, it does not go through their faces. And so we work through it. Then I call my dad. My dad's going to be with us, with my mom, and I say, listen, can we get one of those, you know those devices that the lifeguards use? Uh, It's like a floating device with two handles and it has a strap and a rope so you can rope it around, swim as fast as you can, hand the floating device to the victim and swim away from the victim and drag them while they float so they don't drag you down, right? I'm like, can we get one of those? Have it on the beach next to the chair. Up, riptide, grab that, go in. We get a whistle. One of those loud, loud whistles. When you blow this thing in a house, your ears bleed. I know, we tried. You blow it now, it's like, whoa, don't ever do that again. But if you blow it on the beach, everyone in North Carolina is coming out of the ocean. So we get one of those. That's tied to the floating device, right? So you, you've learned. Uh, you've prepared well. Then you make a plan. You gather the kids. You go, kids, listen, this year's a little different, okay? 
We did not know in years past that rip currents try to drown you, surfboards try to kill you, and sharks try to eat you. But now we know these things about the ocean, so we are still going to go in because what's worse is staying in this house. And so we're going to go in, but here's how it's going to work. The adults are going to go down to the ocean. Several adults who have learned all these things are going to check the ocean. They're going to look. They're going to go, okay, does it look rough, murky? Are there birds diving in the surf? Are there dolphins? Do we see the fins themselves? So we check, 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 and if all the checks turn out, looks good, doesn't look like they're sharks, riptides, or surfboards right now, then we'll gather you and say you can head into the ocean. However, when you go in the ocean, these are the boundaries. You can go this deep, no deeper. You can go this far to the left, no further. This far to the right, no further. You stay here. If you get outside the boundaries, even by a half an inch, we're calling you back. Hey, you're a little too deep, a little too deep. Come on back. Up too far to the left, back here. And if you don't move immediately back to where we call you, you're out. You're out for the day. You can sit right here in the chair. So you stay, stick with the boundaries, stay with the rules. Why? Because we're trying to keep you safe. Then we took two adults. Two adults posted on the beach with one purpose and one purpose alone to watch. To watch the other adults. They can relax. They can read magazines. They can go in the ocean. They can do what they want. But the two watchmen, they stand. They watch. 70 sunscreen beating down. Watch. I can count to 14 in my sleep singing supercalifragilistic while I'm doing it. Why? 14 grandchildren for my parents, eight of them hours. You're counting. Now watch me. One of them is 14. One of them is 14. One of them is 13. 13. Oh, 14. God, one of them is 14. This is what you do. This is our vacation. So we're standing on the beach. We're watching. You trade off. When you get tired of watching, you call another adult in. They take your post. You go. You rest, you come back, we trade off, we watch. We tell the kids, if you hear the whistle, if the whistle blows, boop, you run for your life, you understand me? You don't calculate, do I feel like listening to dad today? You don't say, do I have some uh, uh, attorney type of uh, uh, thing I can throw him and why I need to stay in the water. If we blow the whistle, Imagine a great white of epic size charging at you with the intent to eat you alive and you get out of the water. So the whistle's ready. And so we stood, so we were ready, so we were prepared. So beginning in the first week, that's what we did. Went down to the beach, checked the thing, got the adults uh, in place, one adult there, one here, get in the water, have fun, check, 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 going through that stuff. And so we did. On one of the days that I was... Uh, one of the watchmen, I'm standing on the beach, got my 70 sunscreen on, you're prepared, where's, where's the floater, there's whistles in place, okay, kids stay, and you're just kind of, oh, no, 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 get rid of that, no, you're not taking that in the ocean, Cole, it killed you last time, you know, that kind of stuff's going on, right? So you're standing there doing that, and as I'm watching, it dawned on me, I'm just standing there watching, I'm like, this is our life. This is our entire life. This is your life and mine. This ocean that these kids are playing in, this is your life. This is my life. Think about it. I mean, life is full of incredible things, isn't it? Grand adventures of boogie boarding and wondrous spaces to float in and blue oceans with surf and the smell of the ocean. I mean, you, you look at life and it's like, oh, it's full of a relational realities that are going to come that are wonderful and circumstances that could breeze our way and resources we can collect and do things with. But it's, life is cool. It's fun. We're called into living it, right? But in that life that we live, there are massive real dangers. All over life, there's a bunch of stuff floating around. It's called baggage from all the other people you have to live with. 
It's uh, planks and nails and boogie boards and surfboards, and they're drifting in that beautiful surf. And every now and then, quite often, in fact, as you get older, they just come smack you in the face and you bleed, right? So you go into life and there's all this stuff coming at you. There is evil and sin around us, folks. This is a planet with evil and sin. Other people's sin and evil and just evil and sin in general on this planet. You, you walk around, you did nothing, you ate healthy, you get cancer. And you're like, what on earth? right? Stuff happens that is the result not of anything you did, but just of the stuff floating in the ocean that's after you. And it comes randomly in the surf and hits you. You got to be watchful. You got to be careful. And when it hits you, you panic, you bleed, you start acting crazy, you might even drown. And then out in that same ocean, there are a bunch of riptides, a bunch of them. Those riptides are the temptations that suck us into things in life that we have no business going out to, danger zones. But man, they, they don't look like much. They, they, you, you have to pay real close attention to see them. A riptide doesn't look like much else. There's small clues, but it's strong and it's powerful. If you get in it, you don't even know it and you're there. And that's the evil in us. The Bible is very clear. There is evil around us, but there's also evil in us. We are redeemed. Our souls and spirits are rescued, but our flesh is still full of sin, and it wants its idols. It wants its desires. And so Paul writes and says, your flesh wars against your spirit. When your spirit knows life and knows what's right, your flesh is the riptide going, come on. Ignore that. Go in. It's fine. And so every day we face the realities of those temptations and things that draw us in. Evil around us and surfboards everywhere trying to hit us in the face and evil in us sucking us into the deeper waters. And then there are sharks, by the way. Sharks that want to eat us. The Bible says that our enemy, the adversary, wants to devour us. That is to eat uh, in a very horrid way, right? I mean, uh, the enemy is looking to devour us. And you throw a little blood in the mix, and you throw a riptide in the mix, and you're getting sucked in because you're bleeding and panicking, and the next thing you know, you're in the deep and you're getting devoured. And that's life. So I stood on the ocean, I'm like, wow, this is the life we live in. And a little panic came over me. Oh my goodness, that's scary. When you first think about that, you might even be tempted to say, I've got a plan. Let's not go into life, right? Let's not go in the ocean, just like we could have done. Let's just call it a vacation without an ocean this time, and we just stay home, and we deal with the emotional carnage that comes. I have found that when people disengage out of life and isolate in little groups and sing kumbaya together, it usually produces some crazy emotional carnage. I just, that's just kind of been what I've seen. Not always, though, but we have this temptation. Pull the kids out of everything. Pull the family out of Get a few other people that want to do it with us and go find a quiet place in the middle of the Midwest, buy a farm, grow our own food, and don't go to the grocery store, right? Now, that's a little extreme. I get it, but we do versions of that, right? In our version, we circle up in biblical community, and we use biblical community not as a means by which we live life on mission, but as a place in which we can live safely from the world. We don't go in there. We just come together, and we talk about the pagan crazies out there and our safe, wonderful life we live. And in doing that, two things go awry. Most of the time, it creates emotional carnage. But even if it doesn't, it violates the very essence of the gospel into which we were rescued. Because Jesus did not bother saying on this planet, after I rescue your soul for all of eternity through this suffering and struggle I will go through, I want you to get out of the world. 
I want you to stay away from it. I want you to hide in a house and hunker down and I'll come get you someday. No, no, he said this. I want you to go into the world. I want you to go in there. I want you to go into the whole world, all of it, every dark corner, every horrid place, every dangerous space, and I want you to live on mission for me. I want you to carry the gospel. In your relationships, in your resources, in your circumstances, carry the gospel. You gotta go out there into that world. You are not of the world anymore, but you got to live in it. Otherwise, I just take you now, but I'm not taking you now because I got a plan for you. So we, if we understand the gospel, recognize that we are not called out to isolate. We are called into the ocean, both to enjoy its wonder and to make an impact in that ocean to those who do not know what we now know. God knew as he was sending us into life, redeemed but still with evil around us, evil in us, and the evil one after us, he knew that it was not going to be safe. And so he set up for us a means by which we can go in the ocean, but make sure that we have the right boundaries, the right plans, the right rules, the right instructions, the right tools, and some things to keep us safe. He gave us his word, the Bible. You think it's some book for devotions to make you feel good. You think it's some kind of instruction manual uh, to, to get a better this or a better that. It is the, it is the boundaries and, and, and systems and processes and tools by which we do life without getting caught in riptides, without uh, bleeding because of surfboards, and without being eaten by sharks. This is an amazing thing. He says, get to know this well. Understand the birds. Get to know how it works. Know what this thing does. Practice in the pool a bit. Get yourself ready. Then he gave us his spirit. Filled us with his spirit and said, when you're full of my spirit and you have my word, that is going to protect you and you as you swim in the ocean. You are going to know I can swim, so that's good, and I know the rules, that's good, I know the boundaries, I know how it works, I'm instructed well. And then God did something else that was extraordinary to me. In both the times of old in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the time in which we live in that is expanding now, God set up a system by which we become watchful for one another. It's an amazing thing. God said, it's not just enough for you to have the instructions and have the tools and be in the ocean full of the ability to swim with the Spirit, but when you're in the surf, you can't always see what's going on, so I'm going to set up some people to stand watch on the beach and just kind of watch. They're going to watch for a fin here or a little current there or a little something here or a little murkiness there or a bird diving down. They're going to go, oh, everybody listen up, listen up, come this way a bit. They're going to do that. In the Old Testament, these guys were called prophets, okay? So listen to this. In the book of Ezekiel, uh, he's one of the prophets, page 449, if you want to go there. Ezekiel chapter 3, uh, God is calling Ezekiel out as a prophet, saying, I'm going to establish you as a prophet, and listen to how he words this. In Ezekiel chapter 3, starting in verse 16, it says these words. Ezekiel 3.16, and at the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me. So Ezekiel says, at the end of seven days, God is preparing me. God spoke to me. This is what God said. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. See what God's saying? I'm going to set you up as a prophet is what he's saying. But what a prophet does is a prophet hears from God, gets vision about what is going on, and comes to the people and says, warning, 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 stay this side, stay here, don't go that deep, stay over here, we're going to stick to this, wait for me to check the waters. It is the watchman on the beach. 
Ezekiel and the other prophets were set up as watchmen on the beach for the people. But as we entered out of the times of old into the New Testament, God didn't abandon the watchmen. God actually established watchmen in our particular context for us. In the book of 1 Peter, Peter is writing a letter inspired by the Holy Spirit. He writes these words. Listen to this. In 1 Peter chapter 5, um, he's talking about our enemy. You've probably heard this verse if you've been around the church for any given period of time. You've probably come across this one, right? Here's what it says. First uh, Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He might exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Now listen to this. Here's the part you might know. Be sober-minded, be watchful, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, right? So if you're like me, you've always used that verse in personal application. In other words, you've said, God is speaking to me and he's saying, I need to be watchful so that I don't get devoured by the lion. So you need to walk around watchful, sober-minded, ready. I've always used it that way. But recently, I was looking at the context again and realizing, though you can make that application, that's not, not, that's not outside of the biblical realm, the more direct application here is in a context different than that. Look where the paragraph before this paragraph starts. Uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Paul, uh, Peter writes and says, So I exhort the elders among you, the elders among you, As a fellow elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. See, who's he speaking to here? The elders, the pastors, saying, the flock I've given you, exercise oversight over them. Make sure that you are shepherding them. Then he goes on from there, giving instructions to who? to the elders on how to shepherd their flock, how to make sure that they are uh, producing oversight. And it is in that vein that he then says to them, listen, be sober-minded, be watchful, for the devil is out to devour people. See, he's saying to the elders, get on the beach, stand firm, watch for your people. If you see the enemy, call him, hey, lion, lion, hey, come on, no, 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 too far. And what's happened in our cultural context is that oversight by the elder pastor for a church has become a great debate over the centuries in our culture about who's the boss, uh, who's in charge, who gets to tell you what to do. Do I have to listen to him? So dumb. Who's he to tell me anyways, right? And we begin to act like immature children, us humans, us people, us adults. We act like my kids do. Why do I have to stay this shallow? Why can't I go left? I call them out. Hey, I get a feeling. Feel, something feels like it's moving underwater. Come here. They come out. What was it, Dad? I don't know. Maybe a dolphin. You called me out because you thought something might happen? Yes, I did. Well, that's dumb. I'm trying to keep you safe. Would you rather spend two minutes wasting time on the beach or ten minutes dying bloodily in the ocean? Your call. I I didn't see a shark. I thought I saw one. I called you out. Go back in. It's safe. When when there is a shark, you don't be in there. See, but we we have come to this place where our overseers are a burden to us because we feel like, who gets to tell me what to do? This culture's told me. I don't have to listen to anyone. Right? And that's not a good place to be. 
But he doesn't stop there. God doesn't stop with the prophets and the overseers saying, don't worry, there are people on the beach watching for you. He actually takes it a step further because he knows how dangerous the ocean is. Galatians chapter 6, listen to this. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Paul is writing now, and this is what Paul writes. Brothers and sisters, here it says brothers, but it includes all of us. Brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression... So if anyone's acting a little crazy, okay, if anyone's making some foolish choices, doesn't matter how big they are, doesn't matter how small they are, doesn't matter how early they are in the stages of foolishness, if you're making some choices, acting out, talking, speaking, thinking in a manner that is not gospel, so it's sinful, if you see it, look what it says, brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? To bear one another's burdens by doing what? By gathering up in community and not gathering out of the world, but becoming watchful for one another while we're in the world. And having the courage to be able to step in and say, hey, I'm seeing some stuff that isn't so, isn't so great. It's not a big deal, but it's big enough. And so I'm calling you back. You, you went a little too far left. You're going a little right. You're a little too deep, a little shallower. What's, what, what are you trying to do? Trying to play with the sharks? Don't do that. They bite. And so we call each other back. This is what our calling is. We are called to trust our overseers as watchmen on the beach. We are called to trust each other as watchmen on the beach. We are called to make sure we are engaged. So that begs the question, doesn't it? Do you have watchmen? Do I have watchmen? Do you know who it is in your life that you have given permission to keep watch over you on? To speak in even if it feels a little off? To dare to come to you and say, I think what you're doing there doesn't align well with the gospel. I think what you're saying there doesn't work well. I see in you things I'm concerned about. And instead of going, oh, who have we given permission to say, please stand on my beach and watch. Stand on my beach and watch. And when we have given permission to watchmen and they finally come to us, do we respond well to them? Uh, did you have to say that, Renault? Yes, I did. Because do we respond like kids in the water? Come on, I was just about to catch that wave. I don't care. They're, they're riptides, they're sharks, they're, they're, they're surfboards, they're trying to kill you, get out. Do we trust that when they say, hey, what, what are you doing? We go, man, thank you. Thank you for daring to do that. I'm going to pay close attention. Even if I don't feel like what you're seeing is exactly right, I'm going, to, I'm going to run with a guy on the beach. He's got eyes on everything. And are we diligent watchmen for those who have asked us to watch? What I mean by diligent is not necessarily just always watchful, but do we have the courage to step into our friendships when we got to say something and we know it's going to be a little difficult? Do we wait until there's so much carnage that we don't have to try to explain why we think they might be off? We can just go, yeah, you're bleeding and half dead, so clearly you now know it's off. Your marriage has fallen apart and everything's gone. I'm here to tell you, be careful. <laughs> That's what we do. We play in the world of, I don't want to offend anyone. I, I don't want to say, what if I step in and that's not actually what's going on? Then it's going to be all ticked at me and my friendship's going to go down. It's going to be uncomfortable next time we get together for missional community. W whatever. 
We're called to step in. God was speaking to Ezekiel. Listen to this. This is crazy cool. God was speaking to Ezekiel a little later on in his, in his journey. Okay, so we're in Ezekiel 33 now. So in Ezekiel chapter 3, he says, I'm going to make you a watchman for the people of Israel. What I tell you, warn them immediately. In Ezekiel chapter 33, on page 467 of the Bibles we use, look what he says here. In 33.1, he says, the word of the Lord came to me. This is Ezekiel again. So God spoke to me. This is what God said. Son of man, speak to your people and say to them, if I bring the sword upon a land and the people of the land take a man from among them and make him their watchman, and if he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows the trumpet and warns the people, then if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning and the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head." He heard the sound of the trumpet and did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself, but if he had taken warning, he would have saved his life. Here's what it says. When things go wrong in life and the sword comes, if there's a watchman that's been established and the watchman sees the sword coming and blows the trumpet and the people don't listen, then when they are taken by the sword, it is on them. It's on them, man. It's not on the watchman. It's not on me. It's on them. I sent a watchman, I warned them, they didn't listen. And they could have saved their lives, they could have saved the carnage if they had just paid attention to the watchman. Now look, he's not done. Look what he says here. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet so that the people are not warned and the sword comes and takes any of them, that person is taken away in his iniquity. I love that. But then it says this, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. Woo! When we're called as a biblical community to be watchmen for each other, when we choose for reasons of comfort or reasons of not offending, not to be honest with each other and to step back when the carnage comes, part of the responsibility of that carnage is on us as watchmen. Now he says, your iniquities took you. I love that because he's trying to make a point so we can't do this. I would never have gone into that temptation if my watchman just watched for me. No, no, no. When you fall for a temptation, rip tides and boogie boards hit you and you are bleeding or you swim by the sharks and they eat you, it's your iniquities that got you into that mess. But that's why we need each other because our iniquities are getting us all into mess all the time, isn't it? Our flesh, the evil in us, our flesh, are, the, the, I mean the, the evil around us, the evil one constantly sucking us into places we don't want to be. And we need watchmen to warn us. Now, if they warn us and we don't listen, that's on us. If they don't warn us, it's still on us that we went and swam in a riptide, but it's partly also on them. And so we are called to be watchmen. We are called to have watchmen, and we are called to trust our watchmen. So what should we do? Oh my gosh, you and I, we ought to walk out into that life and see the realities and go, I need to find myself a gospel posse. A group of people that can come around me that understand the world we live in, that get the gospel, and that can say, I'll be a gospel posse with you. Uh, we together will do this. You can't just have one, folks. This is one of our big downfalls. I don't want to be too vulnerable with too many people, so I'll, I'll find one person I'll tell my secrets to and deal. And then that one person has to go to the bathroom. They have to sleep at night. They have to go on vacation sometimes. See, we had two adults posted, but we also had several adults ready to take over at any time. There was never a time where if I were posted as a watchman, I could go, I'm, I'm going I'm to head to, uh, go to the bathroom. I'm going to shoot into the ocean for a while. I always go, can somebody take my post? Because I, I got to go do something. 
You need a posse of watchmen so that they can trade out for you and step in for you. And you need to be on that posse so that you're one of the people trading out. Sometimes you're swimming with the kids. Sometimes you're standing on the beach. And being a watchman, it's tiring. You stand on the beach, sun's beaten down, and you don't get to go anywhere. But that's why he said in, uh, in that beautiful passage in Galatians, he said, uh, to fulfill the law of Christ is to bear one another's burdens. That's not just when you're burdened. Part of bearing your burden and you bearing mine is we stand on the beach, beaten down by the sun, and we watch. We watch. And then I got I to gotta offend you sometimes. Well, what are you doing? You're acting foolish. Stop it. It's not safe. Come back. And then once you have your posse, you make a plan. You don't just high five people. You're my posse. Watch for me. What does that mean? I don't know. But we've got watchmen now. That's good. What's the beach? I have no idea. What ocean are we swimming? I don't know. Do you understand the culture around us? Do you understand the culture you're in? Do you understand the temptations you face in your workplace, in your home place, in your neighborhoods, in your friendships? Do you understand all the stuff? Uh, you know, we live in the, in the Joneses world. And so we're constantly trying to figure out where we fit and who we compare to and who's our real friends and who hurt our feelings. And I mean, that's us. Welcome to America. Welcome to humanity, right? So there's a lot going on in our culture that you're going to be uh, going back and forth. And, and who knows all of that with you and understands your weaknesses and where you tend to be? What are your riptides? Where do you tend to be? pulled in easily. What baggage is in the water around you? Do people know that? Can they watch for the right surfboards for you so they don't hit you in the face? And when you get hit in the face by a surfboard or you get sucked in riptide, is your watchman ready to grab that little floaty device and swim out to get you? And do you have a floaty device? Do you even know what that is? And do you have a whistle? What is the whistle? How are you going to blow it? Sit with your watchman and say, here's my life. Here's the whistles. Here's the stuff. Let's make a plan. And then when you have a plan, and you've got some watchmen and you're doing the thing, please, please, when they blow the whistle, run for your life. When we are crazy, funny people, we do all this work, we get our watchmen, we get together, and then when someone blows the whistle, this is, I'm telling you, this will be where you start. I guarantee because it's where I start, right? And then we take our tone, we feel down. I can touch the sand. I'm good. Thank, thank you. You're awesome watchmen, but I'm good. Sand, right? You're too deep. No, 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 I'm not. I swam, tra- I, I swam on the swim team in middle school. I'm totally good. Strong swimmer. You're in a riptide. It's not a riptide. I can feel it from here. If it were a riptide, I'd be feeling it. You're not here with me. You're on the beach. You can't feel. I can see it's a riptide. No, you can't. This is what we do. We just make all sorts of excuses. I'm good. I'm good. I'm stronger than you think. Dude, when someone blows the whistle, swim sideways and out as fast as you can. And then ask questions on the beach. Why'd you call me out? I don't know. I felt weird. Well, next time, look a little. Okay. Or there was a riptide. Where? There. Oh, wow. Thanks. Or the best part is we throw temper tantrums. Come on out. You called me out last time and it was useless. Not coming this time. I can't believe that person telling me what to do. I'm sick of being told what to do. Unbelievable. Our culture's lied to us. Our culture's lied to us. They told us that when you're being told what to do, that's bad. Uh, It's not actually bad. Not in the right spaces. We came home from our vacation this year, and I'm happy to report to you I did not wrestle a shark. (laughs) Wish I had. Sounded pretty exciting. Thought it would be a cool YouTube video, go viral, but didn't do it. Didn't wrestle a shark. In fact, we had no encounters with sharks in the water. I have brought seven of my eight kids home. One of them got eaten, but no, I'm just kidding. None of my kids got eaten. 
None of my kids got hit in the face this year. None of my kids nearly drowned this year. None of my kids had any incidences this year. The emotional carnage was on a lower scale than usual this year because we were in the water and we were having fun. Across the board, vacation went well. Uh, it was safe. We were good. We're home. Why? Because we had watchmen on the beach. Because we had saving devices and a plan and boundaries and the kids trusted us and when they didn't, we punished them. And they, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, kind of. Uh, and, and, so, and so we worked, right? That's how we lived. So we came home safe. I was sitting in the kitchen one day uh, in our home. We have certain boundaries with things like food and uh, our kids, if, if it's on your plate, you eat it, right? I mean, if it's on your plate, you eat it. We're preparing them to be missionaries and eat worms in Africa. And so, uh, so, so they, they, they sit down and one of my kids sitting at the counter and, and they say, um, do, do I have to eat this? And I go, yeah, you, you got to eat it, but you know how that works. You got to eat it. And, and half jokingly, um, they kind of say, I, th- I thought this was a free country. <laughs> First thought I had, thankfully didn't verbalize, was you ain't in that country right now. You in my home. My home's like an embassy. It is a different country, and the rules here do not apply to the freedom that hangs out outside this country, right? This ain't my, this my country, and in my country, you eat your broccoli. And all of it, with the stems included. And here's an extra piece just to remember for next time, right? But I didn't say any of that because it was half joking. But I did say this because the second thought that came in was a wiser one, so I ran with that one. And, and there was this thought you know, the most dangerous place you and I can be is when no one is in charge of us. When we are free to be whoever we want and do whatever we want, we are in the most dangerous place we can possibly be. That is, you should be scared to death of that place. When no one tells you what to do and you can be whoever you want to be, that is not safe. You know what our culture tells us? Your freest place is when no one tells you what to do and you can be whoever you want to be. That is not your freest place. That is your most dangerous place. God would differ with that. A man named John Donne wrote a poem long, long time ago. It's one of my favorite poems still to this day. It's called Batter My Heart, Three-Personed God. Batter My Heart, Three-Personed God. And in the last two lines of the poem, one of those lines I love so much, it says these words, never shall I be free lest you imprison me. Never shall I be free lest you imprison me. This is the life we ought to seek if we know Jesus, if we know the gospel, is we ought to seek a life where we come to God and we submit ourselves to God and we say, I want to know your word. I want to be full of your spirit. Tell me what to do. I'm in the ocean. It's dangerous. I want to enjoy it and I want to swim well. I want to be on mission. Help me. And then we ought to come to our biblical community and gather up a posse, engage our biblical community, trust our biblical community. Yeah, you can't trust me and I can't trust you perfectly because I'm not perfect and nor are you. But God is in us and there's enough going here that we can trust each other enough. And so we do. And when we hurt each other a bit, we walk, work through it because we're bearing each other's burdens. But you got to be in community. Find a missional community. Beg them to know you and then make yourself known and then say, here's my ocean, here's my stuff, here's my riptides, here's my sharks. Help me. And then be involved in each other's lives. Gathering together on a weekend is not church. That's just where the church celebrates and is inspired. Church happens when we step into each other's lives throughout the week uh, and we are on each other's beaches watching each other's oceans so that we can swim safe and well and not get sucked into places we should not be where we die. This is the life we are invited into. 
It's a life of freedom, though it feels like a life of restriction at times because people do tell you what to do, just like you tell them what to do at times. That's biblical community. Let's get on each other's beaches. Let's watch each other's oceans. Let's trust each other enough to come out of the ocean when someone calls us out. Let's trust, trust our overseers, our pastors, when they see stuff because God has uniquely called them to watch for us as a whole community. And let's go in that ocean on mission, enjoying the surf and doing what we're called to do, knowing we're safe because we're watchful, because we're in it together. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for your incredible love for us and the amazing ways in which you have equipped us for the life we have to live. Though it has dangers, though there's evil around us and in us and there's an evil one against us, that you have equipped us with your word, that you have filled us with your spirit, empowered us to swim well, and that you've given us biblical community to stand watch for us and to swim with us so that we together can stay in the safe spaces and we can enjoy the free life. God, when we are in places where we are stepping outside of gospel, would you give us the courage as watchmen for each other to speak out gently? When we are spoken to, would you give us the courage to listen well and to swim back to the boundaries? And if the whistle blows, help us to swim quickly out of the ocean, trusting each other and trusting you in each other. May we become a community that is vulnerable because it's safe, not because it's dangerous. That we submit to you and each other because it's safe, not because it's dangerous. And because we understand that lack of vulnerability and lack of submission is dangerous for any of us. Help us to find a posse. Help us to plan well with the posse. Help us to trust the posse and help us to run for our lives when the whistles blow. We pray in Jesus' name.